Hello, my name is Leah Fiore Tracy, and this is Take Me to Eternity. I know I'm going to get a lot of pushback for this video, and it's really okay. If you have any comments, uh, please keep them nice, but you can comment, and I will gladly respond to you. I would love to talk about this for a lot of different reasons. Um, it hits really close to home for me. I've noticed a bend in Christendom for a while now, a bend to call witchcraft entertainment good and even godly. There are more and more people these days who call themselves Christian witches, white witches, good witches, and get really angry when you say that's an oxymoron, they don't go together. This has been deeply unsettling to me, especially as I watch the Christian community fall lockstep with this idea. You see it happening all over the place, and it's really sad. And they are gearing this towards our children, which is um, definitely terrifying to me. Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 13 says, When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to, Im to imitate the detestable things of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of all these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. One thing that hit me when I read this um, was that he's saying that the people who do it are detestable. And it's not just the practice themselves. Unfortunately, people like C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, and J.K. Rowling have not only learned to imitate these detestable things, but they've made alluring books and movies to lure our children and the adults in into believing that things can be good and godly that are called detestable to God. Some have told them to find Jesus in them, telling their kids, find Jesus in them, find God in them, find the redemption story in these uh, occult books. I watched the uptick in Wicca, the occult and the new age, and I watched the NAR deem occult practices Christian practices, and more and more Christians are getting on board. Today I have a special guest that I want to talk to about this. I think she's the perfect person to talk to, a wonderful sister in Christ. Her name is Doreen Virtue. We're going to talk about the connections between Harry Potter, C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, and the acceptance of witchcraft in the church. Welcome, Doreen. How are you thank, today? Thank you so much for inviting me on this program to talk about this important topic. I'm so glad you're here. Most of you probably know who Doreen is, um, but for those who don't, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Um, I was raised in the false Christian science church, which is neither Christian nor scientific, but I was told since childhood that I was a Christian. Um, we went to church twice a week. We, I was given a Bible when I was a child. We'd read, read the Bible, cherry pick, read the Bible all the time. It was the King James Version, which I think is a little harder to understand, especially as a child raised in a false gospel. Uh, and, and my mother was the equivalent of the pastor of the church. So she was the reader who would be up there on stage reading from the, the, the other Bible of Christian science, the science and health. Uh, and 
all this, it was all about experiences and uh, supernatural and never about Jesus on the cross. We, in fact, the religion didn't, the religion taught that that really wasn't true. That was a metaphor. So it was just a, a heretical way to, to be raised. And it led me right into becoming a new age teacher. I first went to school to Chapman University and earned uh, a BA and an MA in psychology. So I was a psychotherapist, which goes right into new age, you know, and self-believism, believe in yourself. It's all about, you know, being your own God, basically. All this time, I thought I was a Christian. I started to write books about psychology. And then when I was invited to speak at mind, body, spirit festivals, I started to research metaphysics and new ageism. And it really dovetailed with the Christian science kind of word of faith that I was raised in. So I started to write books about new ageism, new ageism. And then I started to have um, these experiences that I remembered having as a child, visions, uh, just kind of supernatural experiences. So I wrote about those, started to teach people about them. And within a few years, 20, about 22 years, I was one of the top selling new age authors in the world. And I thought I was doing God's work because people told me it worked, what I was teaching, that it comforted them, that it healed them. Uh, it was counterfeit, of course, um, like the sorcerers in Pharaoh's court in Exodus the new age can mimic to a degree what God does, God's healing miracles. And, and so I was floored when I read the Bible in 2017. And I actually read that passage that you opened up with today, Deuteronomy 18. I read that not only were the practices I was doing, mediumship, divination, interpreting omens, that those were condemned by God, but it made me a detestable abomination to God. And I was com convicted completely um, and got on my knees crying, begging God to please forgive me, please Jesus take over my life. And then the, the, the mess of telling the whole world, because I was published in 38 languages at that point, 70 books, and cards and telling the whole world, hey, I was wrong. Please burn my products. Don't buy them anymore. Getting fired from my new age publisher, getting people hating on me from the love and light community, making up all sorts of stories about me. I gave refunds for the first two years as much as I could. I mean, I've, it, it's just been um, quite the experience converting publicly and going through early sanctification with really bad theology in the beginning. So I went to seminary, got a master's degree in biblical and theological studies, just to learn how to rightly divide God's word since I'd been reading it since childhood. And I learned through that, that Jesus is from Genesis all the way to Revelation. The whole Bible is about Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. All those things that I was doing in the new age, Jesus died for those sins. All the the forms of idolatry. We're going to talk about sorcery here today. I wasn't overtly doing witchcraft. It scared me, but you know, it was on the border of witchcraft because I was involved with goddess worship and goddess ceremonies, um, divination. All those things is why our perfect, sinless Lord and Savior Jesus, fully God, fully man, came to earth and he died on the cross, a horrific death, because he was the only sinless one who could take the punishment that we all deserve. And he imputed his perfect righteousness to us right there on the cross. For those who believe in Jesus, we are cloaked in his righteousness. And so we're forgiven of all those sins. And 
of course, we know that he died on the cross, he was buried, and three days later, he, he rose from the dead miraculously. Hundreds of people ate with him, touched him, heard him, saw him. He wasn't just some apparition. He was really physical, raised from the dead. And then, of course, we know that he then ascended to the right hand of our Father God, and he will return to judge us all. So when I learned this, I, it changed my whole life from this very liberal, woke worldview, you know, very much what you see in the woke community now. Um, and I was dabbling in everything because when you're in the new age, you want more and more and more. Nothing satisfies you. There's no fruit of the spirit. It's all give me more, give me more. And, and so people start off with something that seems innocent, like maybe a Harry Potter book seems normal and innocent, but you get that appetite to learn more of what Eve was confronted with in the garden, this, you know, hidden wisdom. I want to know the truth. I want to know the secrets. And instead of turning to the Bible, which has all the truth in it, people want that exotic, you know, way to find out the hidden truth. And so they go to witchcraft or occult or sorcery. And it seems cool. It seems like you get power this way. And it seems to work. And a lot of the people who were in my audience when I was a new age teacher were women who had left either the Roman Catholic church or the Protestant church because they felt it was too patriarchal. They saw hypocrisy and they just left, you know, and, and so they wanted something that was more feminine and they saw, I was all about angels in the new age, not biblical angels. These were demons masquerading as angels of light, but Anyway, they, they wanted the, the, the softer feminine spirituality. And we see that a lot with the female protagonists, um, Hermione in Harry Potter. We see that with, you know, even Jesus Calling, which is not biblical at all. And Sarah Young's Jesus, who's all romantic, like a boyfriend to her. And, uh, and so when I proclaimed being a, a biblical Christian to everyone, there was such an offense taken that I would get involved with something that it's so patriarchal. How could you do that? And, and I said, this is the creation order. You know, this, you might not agree with it. I know you've been hurt by men, probably by women too, but Jesus did not do that. Jesus was the only one who came to save those who believe in him. Yeah. That had to have been a really hard thing to, um, to, come out and say, you know, I don't believe the things that I have been teaching. And, you know, this is what I believe now, especially when we know that, um, that it's offensive to those who don't believe, you know, and when it yeah. comes to the whole uh, patriarchal part of it, um, it's interesting, the things that people believe that Christianity is, that it really isn't, and they don't understand like there is a patriarchal aspect to it, but it's also that your husband is supposed to love you like Christ loves the church and he's supposed to love you like his own body. And, you know, there's so much that they, they don't get in that. Um, one thing that's really interesting to me is the aspect of, um, of women in false religions in a lot of them, not all of them, mm -hmm. but especially in the occult. Um, you see like um, Kalina Blavatsky talking about um, Satan as a woman and this weird, I don't know, it's very interesting when you start going down the rabbit trails 
and seeing some of the beliefs, you're like, oh, that makes sense as to what the culture yeah. is doing right now. It's you know, true. Yeah. Feminism. Yeah, yeah, I used I used to tour with a woman, she's deceased now, named Sylvia Brown. And okay, and so she she wrote about quote mother God, uh, again rejecting the, the Bible and the male pronouns and the male aspects of God, the father God, because she didn't like men. And so we see this a lot, just that rejection. And I just want to back up for one minute because probably the number one complaint from people who don't understand the gospel who come against me is that my products are still for sale out there in some places. And so I just want to say, I'm aware of that. If they were self-published products, they would have been gone the day that I was converted. Um, they were licensed to foreign publishers, to the US publisher, um, they're almost all gone now. There are some bootleg printers in India and China that are illegally printing my old work um, and the um, the ex-publisher I have, their work, their current work. So there's just no way physically for me to get my old products off the market, except for telling people repeatedly, burn it, throw it away, don't don't resell my old work. It is it'll lead people to hell. It's it's just it's demonic work that I thought at the time was really God's angels. Those were real experiences I was having, but it was really demonic, which. That's why I was so interested to talk with you about this topic of Harry Potter and, and uh, C.S. Lewis and uh, Tolkien. Um, I recognize that these are entertaining books and movies. And so we're not here to ruin people's fun or to be some sort of you know, spoil sport, but we're to caution people that if the Bible emphasizes from Old to New Testament that we are not to worship God through idols. We're not to worship other gods. I mean, the Ten Commandments, verse two, no other gods before me and no graven images. Um, that, that is God telling us how he wants to be worshiped. Jesus taught us how to worship God with the Lord's prayer and with his example in his life. And then the apostles, you know, Peter talked about the suffering to live a Christ-like life. Um, it, so we know how to worship God if we read our Bible. And that's a big if, because studies show that maybe 5% of professing Christians have read the entire Bible, which needs to change. We all need to take the time every single day. You could do it in 15 minutes a day. First thing in the morning, read a chapter or just even a section of a chapter, and you will read that whole Bible. And, and it'll change your life for the better. Uh, so when I realized that I had been idolatrous and it, it took a while. I mean, in the beginning, when I was first converted, I had Jesus paint, paintings, what I thought was representing him. Um, in the new age, I had statues of not only what were representing angels, but also uh, statues and paintings from Buddhist and Hindu religions. And I thought the more friends in heaven, the better. I really thought that the more that I invoked, the more power would come through me, through them. And that just misses the whole point that only God is in control. Only God is sovereign. I mean, the book of Job really summarizes this. Where were you when I hung the stars in the sky? Where were you when I filled the ocean with, with all this water? We cannot create like God creates. The devil may help us with a counterfeit if we want to go on that path to tempt us, but it will take us away from our focus on the cross. It will take us away from glorifying God. 
we are told throughout the Bible to glorify God with our bodies, with everything we do, give all glory to God. And yet these false churches, like I was raised in Word of Faith, and these so-called entertainment venues of Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, I'm sorry, I know it's going to offend people. I used to really be into Lord of the Rings. I, 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 I watched the movies you know, over and over again. Um, and uh, C.S. Lewis, the, his book, Screw Tape Letters, really helped me when I was first coming out of the New Age. So I acknowledge that these are be, you know, properties that people have benefited from. But here's what they do, is they try to present a good versus evil scenario with so-called lesser evil or white magic combating and defeating the darker evil. And that's not how it works at all. It's not evil versus evil. And that's glorifying it. The Bible tells us, and let me just read this to everyone who's not aware of this, who may not have gotten to this part of the Bible. The, the relevant chapters uh, is Revelation 21 and 22. And so it says, who's going to go into the lake of fire? Who's going to go to heaven or who's going to go to hell? And right there, it says that sorcerers, this is Revelation 21.8, sorcerers and idolaters are going to go into the lake of fire, will not go to heaven. So what does a sorcerer mean? A sorcerer is someone, it's almost, you could make a play on words, S-O-U-R-C-E. It's like, you're trying to be the source. You're trying to be the one that makes things happen. And it goes back to not trusting God. That was what I had to realize coming out of the new age was I had trusted in my oracle cards. I had trusted in astrology and numerology and visualization. And of course, if you're into witchcraft or sorcery, you trust in your spells, your crystals maybe. But where's God in all that? And the people will justify and say, well, 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 God made these crystals, but not in that way. Not in that way. They, they may be used on the breastplates of the high priests. There's crystals from Genesis to Revelation, but they're never portrayed as something we are to be idolizing. The umum and the thermum, we don't know what they were. People speculate that they're like runestones, you know, that light up. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It doesn't say to use crystals in idolatrous ways. It never says that. It, it condemns people who use spells, who have idols. There's no place in the Bible that says, oh, this is okay to use a little bit. This is okay because everybody's doing it. It never says that. In fact, it says the opposite, that this is curses for disobedience. So as you know, it's like any sin will tempt you and you'll think, well, a little bit won't hurt. And I deserve this and everybody's doing it. But sin is like scratching an itch and you scratch it once, you're gonna to wanna to keep scratching it till it bleeds. It's just, it, it just, it's never satisfied. The only thing that satisfies is through focusing on Jesus, putting our whole heart on Jesus and praying for him to continually purify us and sanctify us. Well, and God tells us throughout the entire Bible that he wants us to be set apart for him. He wants, to, he wants us to be holy and unblemished. And I don't know how we can expect to be unblemished if we um, find entertainment in the things that he says aren't holy. You know, they, when we um, are listening to ungodly music or watching things that are not okay, you know, movies, reading books, all of that, 
um, that that flavors us. It taints us, and it um, works into our theology. It really does. Um, you know, a lot of people don't understand that their worldview gets changed as they the more that they intake um, these flawed and um, just perverted things that they're watching and doing. And I'm not saying I'm perfect or um, I've never watch anything that somebody could consider oh that's not godly i'm sure i do you know none of us are perfect but the thing is to not uh sit there and find entertainment in the things god condemns and you know a lot of people would say it's just a book it's just a movie but you know i really do think that if god says it's an abomination that shouldn't be uh our form of entertainment and that's part of why you know i to speak against um, people like Tolkien and um, Lewis, they're, to speak against them in Christian circles, people get really upset. And I understand because they have either been helped by, you know, whatever that means, or, um, or they find value in what they've written. And, um, and I'm not here to say they're not saved. I'm not here to say anything about their salvation all i can say is the things that they're writing about and the places that it's coming from has occult origins and it god has called it an abomination so i don't know why we would call it christian yeah so I, um people are always quoting c.s lewis and i used to do that he's got some really good quotes he's very pithy but yeah. if but all it takes is five minutes of googling C.S. Lewis theology, and you'll see that his theology not only was questionable, he had some questionable uh, teachings about the Trinity, about the Holy Spirit, um, but it was, it was changing. Of course, we all evolve. We all are growing as we get more sanctified in God's word, but there's some real red flags about C.S. Lewis's um, theology. I know people always want to make the whole um, the altar slain in the Narnia books, they want to say that that's pointing to Jesus and his crucifixion. But why not just focus on Jesus on the cross? Why do we have to focus on some lion and some witch when we can easily go to the Bible and get the real story, the real gospel, and not distract ourselves or maybe confuse our children uh, with the gospel message in, in, our, in their minds by focusing on that? I mean, Harry Potter is an extreme example. I think a lot of Christians get it, that it, it's very dark. Um, it's very glorifying of wizardry. And there's a lot of different stories about J.K. Rawlings. You know, she was absolutely, she says that she was a broke single mother and she really wanted to get famous. And she was on a train and she got this whole download vision of Harry Potter and just this whole message about this orphan who was misunderstood that we can all relate to because everyone feels like they're an orphan in some ways. And she just knew that this would be a lovable character. And so that, that download, that reminds me of my new age um, ways that I got messages that went into over 70 heretical books um, so just her whole methodology of getting this and um, she she sometimes will say oh yes um, I researched the spells in some interviews that have been quoted um, 
you know, it's, it says that those are real spells. In other interviews, she says, oh, no, no, I know what you're talking about. But one person really made a good point that I would like to emphasize here. If the spells in Harry Potter were too far off the mark of real witches spells, the witch community would be screaming about it. They would be up in arms like they were with me when I created angel tarot cards. The tarot community, a lot of them occultists, were so mad at me because I, I wanted to do tarot cards without the death card, without the devil card, you know, without the pentagrams and such. And, and, they were, and so the whole witch community and tarot community was just aghast at this. They were so offended. And so there was articles and videos condemning me and my angel tarot cards all over the place. We don't see that from the witch community toward Harry Potter. And we instead see them embracing it. So they're relating to it somehow, even if perhaps JK Rowling didn't intentionally put real witches spells in there. She puts something in there that resonates with those who have rejected the gospel. She said that she, um, she did a lot of research on the things that she was writing. And she said um, in one of her interviews, she said only like her advice to people in writing is only write about things, you know, really, excuse me, really well, and make sure you research them well, if you're going to write about it. And there's actually, um, she has, you know, she has had a fascination with witchcraft is one thing that she has said. There is a, an article that I had read, and you actually sent it to me last night. And it's talking about in Britain, at um, one of the libraries, there's a whole section that's um, it's called Harry Potter, A History of Magic. And it's showing um, the real uh, push behind Harry Potter and how it lines up so well with historical um, magic and alchemy and stuff like that. Um, and another thing that I noticed that was interesting is like fun fact, she has the same thing tattooed on her that Baphomet, which is a depiction of Satan, um, an occultist depiction. He has it on his arms and she has it tattooed on her wrist. And it says, um, it, it's talking about you have to be able to dissolve something in order to make it into something new. Um, and it's the, it's what people talk about in alchemy. It's alchemy, like the alchemist. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, she is not oblivious to the occult. She's not oblivious to what she was writing. And for, regardless of any of that, for people to take this view of, um, of a sorcerer and a book that's all about sorcery and say that Harry Potter is a view of Jesus and his, this story is the redemption story, which, um, which Frank Turek actually has a um, thing on, and he's pretty big on talking about how um, these different Marvel movies and stuff like that are all depictions of Christ. And they say that about um, Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. They say that about um, Aslan. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it, it's just despicable to me that they would take something that is so tainted and, um, and equate it to God. You know, um, yeah. yeah, that is that's that is we want to go on record that we do not agree. Uh, Frank Turek has written some good books on evangelism, but on this, I'm going to disagree vehemently. 
Um, and I understand the appeal of Gandalf. You know, here's another one. We, we, they call it white witchcraft. So he's the white sorcerer. And so he seems like he's the counterbalance to Soren. And he's saving the day for um, all the hobbits. And he's going to, you know, save the world by not having the one ring go into Mordor. So I understand that fascination. But it's, again, normalizing sorcery, glorifying sorcery. And that that could say that that could mean at Judgment Day that you are condoning sorcery. It could mean that you're identifying as a sorcerer yourself. So be careful with that. Um, and again, you know, with Aslan, the, Jesus was sinless. And all these characters are never portrayed as sinless. And so they, they are not Christ-like. They're, they're absolutely not our Lord and Savior who was qualified to die on the cross in our place because he had committed no sin at all. And Gandalf is using sorcery against Soren. So you might think, well, he's on the right side. And Harry Potter, you know, he's using magic to defeat the Slytherines. So, you know, he's on the right side. No, it doesn't work that way. It's not the lesser evil that is glorified. It's no evil is glorified. No sorcery can be glorified. All glory goes to God without exception. Amen. Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard people say that because there is a story that's a redemption story, because it looks like the, the story of Christ, that's why you can say it. But um, when you look at the occult and what people in the occult, especially the founders, the things that they believe, you see that they believe Satan is our savior. You know, they, Helena Blavatsky, who was a Satanist, said that God was evil and Satan the savior. In the secret doctrine, um, I put this in here just because it's like this is this is a push that they're putting into their um, books and movies. And just because it looks like there's a salvation story doesn't mean anything. She said, Lucifer represents life, thought, progress, civilization, liberty, independence. Lucifer is the logos, the serpent, the savior. I mean, this is her saying he is the savior. And you see in myth forever there is one counterfeit redemption story after another um have you noticed that satan has a redemption story and that people try and match that up with jesus yeah well he was of course competing with god he was the most beautiful angel who fell from heaven because of his pride and so of course he's going to continue that pride it's not like he learned his lesson and repented and so you see that whole counterfeit redemption story. Um, I think of um, uh, Follow Your Bliss, Joseph Campbell, who was very popular in the 80s and had a big PBS special on these different uh, redemption stories of Star Wars and the Wizard of Oz. And, and he looked at how they're all the same. It's an archetype of humanity, but it's not the gospel and it won't save anybody. Only Jesus saves, only our sinless Lord and Savior who died on the cross and was raised three days later and was ascended to the right hand of the father. Only our sinless born of a virgin Jesus can save us. And then people are going to want to say, well, that's a, he came from the Sumerian, a Babylonian, Egyptian, Horus and Osiris myth. And they want to plug that in. No, this was planned at the very beginning of the, the earth. We could look at Genesis 3.15, where Jesus, where God the Father promised that the seed of the woman 
who had just sinned and caused the fall of humanity, that he would crush the serpent. And so this goes back to the beginning of humanity that Jesus was promised. This was not something that came out of later myths of the occult in Egypt or Samaria or Babylon. Yeah, when you look into those also, you see um, that there's not as many similarities as most people try and say there are. They'll give you a list of like all the things that are the same. And then you look into them, you're like, that really isn't the same. But No, they're, they're always, I mean, yeah, I used to buy all those lies. I used to teach them in the new age that the Bible has been corrupted, that Constantine changed it. He took out the, the female part of God, that um, it's, it's lost books. Look at, it's the lost book of Mary Magdalene, supposed to be in there. But the thing is in the new age, nobody's ever done any actual research. If they did for five minutes, they'd see that Constantine historically could not have changed the Bible. The canon was closed by the time Constantine was even born. And the same with the Roman Catholic church. It wasn't even invented then. So that all that conspiracy theory is the devil's way of keeping people from reading God's word, the Bible that will absolutely blow your mind will change your life if the Holy Spirit lifts the veil and you'll see the gospel. Praise the Lord, you'll be saved like we were. I, I mean, of course, there's going to be lies about the Bible. And nobody's ever read those Dead Sea Scroll books that the New Age says are the secret. No, If you've ever talked to a New Ager, they've never read those books. They just say, oh, the Gospel of Thomas is it. Well, have you ever read it? It's gobbledygook. And it's actually very, it hates on women. And, you know, so New Agers wouldn't say that's the secret. They just like the myth of it. They like how that sounds so they don't have to read the Bible. I mean, it's easier when you don't have to do the work and you just say that you know. <laughs> I so mean, true. It, it's easier to do that. Um, I know so many Christians that you talk to them about stuff and you're like, well, they, they, want a, they ask you a question and they want an answer, but they're not willing to actually do the work in order to find the answer, which is actually a lot of times some of some of the times we don't have the perfect answer you know we're not going to know till heaven we don't know everything but other times it's fairly simple to find the answer and all you have to do is do 10 minutes of research but i'm also one of those people who goes in down all of the rabbit holes yeah it's true the um the the teachings that harry potter and lewis and tolkien have about how to deal with other people is decidedly unbiblical also i mean they Jesus taught us to pray for our enemies, to love our enemies, and to turn the other cheek. Where you look at these fiction books that are supposedly Christian, they teach the opposite of that. They teach to obliterate your enemy, to trick your enemy, to use subterfuge and, and all sorts of things that are also condemned in the Bible in order to win. And that's not Christian at all. And it, it teaches our children the wrong message. Yeah, absolutely. I. You know, it's hard um, trying to combat um, the world that gets in with our kids. Yeah. And it's, um, I try really hard to make sure that I talk to them about the whys. Why, why is this not okay? And ask them, you know, when you see something, what, what is wrong with this sentence? Or what is wrong with this idea? And see if they can um, tell me, talk to me about it tell me scripturally where you know what's wrong with it um i'm trying to teach them to dig in because i know that they're going to 
go out into the world and I, you know, I have an 11 year old and a 14 year old and soon enough, my 14 year old is going to be 18. And um, I'm trying to teach them to be able to look for themselves. I don't want to teach them what to think. I want to teach them how, how do I find the answers? Where do I find the answers? And how do I know that the answers are truthful, you know? Well, I was just going to say that, that Harry Potter is essentially teaching word of faith, which we know Mm -hmm. is very popular. You know, he's, He's really teaching a form of what Joel Osteen's teaching. And throughout the Harry Potter books and movies, Harry Mm -hmm. Potter is encouraged to concentrate hard enough on what he wants and he will get it. And I mean, that's law of attraction. That's the secret. That's Joel Osteen saying your words create and have power. And it's not true, first of all, that if you think about something long enough, you're going to attract it. And secondly, it, it can lead to covetousness. Uh, where you're just envying everyone else for what they have, materialism, uh, takes the eyes off the cross, it becomes all about me, my power, instead of trusting in the Lord with all of our heart and leaning on him instead of our own understanding. That's, that's really where we want to go is really trusting that God will provide for the needs of believers, he hears the prayers of the righteous. And if he answers no, that's for our best. That's, that's him and his wisdom saying no or not yet to us and to accept that and to trust it. With my experience on um, the word of faith aspect, um, it brings you down a road where you're never good enough. You're never, you never have enough. You've never done enough. There's Mm -hmm. always something else you're trying to grasp at and you feel like you are inadequate. Um, which we are, we're totally inadequate, but we are inadequate in the sense that we need to look to Christ to be our adequacy, right? Instead of trying to look to ourselves and um, just being bogged down with the fact that we can't do it and thinking that that is our only answer and there's no better answer, which our better answer is Jesus Christ. And he is the good enough for us. He's the one that did it all. He's the one that we, he's our power source, you know, that, Mm -hmm he does when he is ready and he wants to like, you know, you can pray and it'll be a yes or a no or a maybe. And you just have to wait and sit back and not think um, just because I'm saying it, it's going to happen or I have to think it enough. Um, I know one of the things that you commented on um, when I was talking to you was that, that Tolkien and C.S. Lewis glorified sorcery. And I think that's a great way to put it because it's not that they um, just wrote about it, but they literally glorify it. They make it this, um, this magical thing, pun intended. Um, and they teach a duality with it, like you were talking about earlier. You know, this, um, the yin and the yang, you know, the, the light and the dark, the good and the bad. And it is this, um, this fight of power source. And like we were just saying, you know, our power source isn't ourselves. So as soon as you are looking at these books and movies about sorcery, you're, you're pushing that on yourself and not on God. God, you're not looking to God to be your power source. Um, so what does scripture have to say about sorcery? 
Well, I mean, you read Deuteronomy 18 that yep. is condemned. This was, of course, God speaking through Moses to the Israelites as they're about to cross the Jordan River into Cain, Canaan and to not be like the Canaanites who were sacrificing their children and not only sacrificing their children like the modern day abortion to you know not have a child, but because they, they felt like this was a, a tithe to Moloch or Baal, one of the mythical demon gods um, in order in in order to get something in return they would give this baby into the statue that was a fiery furnace and then they supposedly would get a good crop or good health and that's just evil and god was eradicating evil condemning it right there that not only are you not to sacrifice your children you know which is essentially casting a spell but no witchcraft which is harry potter which is Lord of the Rings, I'm sorry, I loved Lord of the Rings myself. And I used to dress up in as um, Galadriel. I used to wear the blonde wig and the little crown and try to speak Elvish. So I understand the obsession. It's almost an addiction. And, you know, any kind of addiction, we can get on our knees and we can repent for our idolatry, for the sorcery, and we can pray for God to purify us as well as forgive us for that and to give us the strength to withstand temptation because the devil will say oh just a little bit won't hurt you know just just this one little movie you know let's just go to rivendale for a moment it's so beautiful there it's so peaceful and it's that escape through fantasy and and so you might think well we're not supposed to be like the world not be conformed by the world but that's another world that's a made-up middle earth world that's just as worldly as our messed up modern world that we have we're not supposed to conform to the world so we've just got to be so careful that the devil is so sly and he knows us to the degree that he's allowed to, to tempt us. And, um, and one of the ways he tempts us is by saying, oh, this is Christian when it's not. So Jesus calling is not Christian. Lord of the Rings is not Christian. C.S. Lewis. I mean, you could argue, you know, I, I know that he's got some books about theology, but do some research on his theology, folks. It's it's very troubling. And and Harry Potter is the opposite of Christianity, clearly. So we have to beware of these influences. Um, a little bit of leaven can really affect us and stay far, far away from them. Do not allow them in your house. I don't know if anyone's listening who needs to hear this, but we're not here to be to win a popularity contest with our kids. Um, I had my kids when I was super young and we were kind of like best friends and it was a big mistake. I needed to be their parent instead of trying to go along with what they were into. Don't do that. You'll regret it years from now and be their parent. Even if it means you're unpopular to say, no, I won't allow you to wear a Harry Potter t-shirt. No, I won't allow you to have a Harry Potter book in this house. Or if you gave it to them before, Go explain to them you made a mistake and make a ceremony of burning them together. You know, the kids would get a big kick out of that, actually. And then lead your kids through repentance. Lead your kids to learn how to turn to God in moments of temptation when their peers are trying to say, go along with the crowd. I mean, that's that's exactly what we're supposed to be modeling as parents, you know, is the um, how to one acknowledge that we weren't doing something right and you know return to the lord repent and return to him and teaching them how how biblically to do that um 
I know that there's uh, quite a few scriptures on sorcery in the Bible. And, you know, it says so much when you look at the different scriptures that's talking about it. You have, you know, Leviticus says, as for the person who turns to mediums and to spiritists, um, I will also set my face against that person and cut them off. You know, Galatians says sorcery is a deed of the flesh. And those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Micah talks about cutting off sorcerers and fortune tellers. Um, you know, Leviticus, it says multiple times, it says they shall be stoned with stones. Their blood guiltness is upon them. Um, it's, Luke says, he said to his disciples, it's inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him who they come. It would be better for him to have a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Then that would cause one of these little ones to stumble. And that's what they're doing. They are causing our children to stumble, uh, being putting all of these movies and books and stuff that is so tempting for our children to learn about and be seduced by um sorcery and witchcraft and i'm watching this just explode around me and you have places like uh bethel you know the nar it, they are accepting new age practices bringing them into the church and saying everybody should partake in these they're christian practices and um watching this happen you're watching um witches claim to be Christian and you're watching this melding of um, things that are obscene with the Lord and that's detestable to him you know for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness or what harmony has Christ with Belial or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever you know the more that we look at the Bible and we believe it we put our faith in it and we trust it. And we know this is God's word. He's telling us how we can live and live good, um, God honoring lives. The more that we do that, the more we can say, okay, well, this is bad. We're going to throw it out. And if we don't do that, we are searing our conscience. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's detrimental to our spiritual health. It is. Um, you mentioned Bethel Redding. And of course, they do try to justify blending new age with their version of Christianity, which is scripture twisting. And this is something you see, you mentioned at the top of the hour, the um, trend of so-called Christian witches, which is an oxymoron. There's no such thing as a Christian witch or Christian Reiki master or Christian Enneagram or Christian yoga. The, you can't take something pagan and slap the name Christian in front of it and redeem it. It's impossible. And so people want to try to blend Christianity with pagan practices as I did before I was saved and understood this. Um, I, I always go to 1 Corinthians 10.21 to dispel this idea you can blend the two. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. And so you just, you can't serve the two masters. I know that has to do more with money, but it really is about choosing your side. And people want to, who haven't read the Bible, I've heard all sorts of blasphemy that, oh, Jesus was a Reiki master. He wasn't. 
um, oh, you know, Jesus used crystal wands to do his miracles. He didn't. These are people who, of course, are spiritually blind, who say things like this, like I was, like you were before we were saved. Um, the second Corinthians talks about how the Holy Spirit is the one who lifts the veil on the gospel so we can understand it. And before then, the gospel was foolishness to us because we were perishing. And so people who are saying they're Christian witches, they're, they're, they're not Christian. That's not one of the fruit of the spirit to, be, to aspire to be a witch at all. Uh, so uh, don't follow anyone like that. Spend that time instead reading the Bible, and then you'll find God's will is obedience, not to get saved. We're not legalists or Pharisees. You don't get saved by obedience. But once you're saved, you love God so much that you'll do anything to obey him. And we all stumble because we're all sinners. Romans 3.23 says that. But once you're saved, it hurts your heart so much to grieve the Holy Spirit and to sin that you're immediately convicted and you immediately go into repentance and you are horrified that you sinned. Where before you're saved, you're just partying and you don't care because no one is righteous. No, not one. No one is out to seek and please God until God saves you. Yeah, that, I mean, I think that goes with, you know, where's the fear of the Lord these days? Um, you, you look at so many people say, oh, well, it doesn't actually mean to fear him, but they say it's to revere him. And yes, but when you look up what that means, it means to fear him. <laughs> You know, it yeah. fear is one of the first parts of that definition. And I think it's hilarious that people try and circumvent the word fear by using another word that the description is fear. And yeah. I think that it's fear for a reason, because we are supposed to have a healthy fear for the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, we are supposed to fear the one who can um, kill our body and cast our soul in hell. You know, I mean, we, we should have that fear. Once yeah. we're saved, that's when perfect love casts out all fear, right? Because mm -hmm. then we know the love of the Lord and we know we're saved and we don't have to uh, be fearful of damnation, but we still should have a healthy fear for the Lord. Yeah. And a healthy fear on behalf of others who don't yeah. know the Lord. And especially if you know people who are blatantly practicing a cult, who don't seem to care and nobody knows the hour of our death except for God. People might think, well, you know, I, I have until I'm 80 and then, and then I'll get right with God. You don't know. People die suddenly every single day. And the, who knows when the end of the world is? Only God knows. So we need to prepare. We need to have our, our oil in our lamps at all times. And that means, again, not that we're saved by our obedience, but it's, it's fruit of, that flows out of salvation. And getting involved with sorcery is not pleasing to God at all. Well, and so many people think that um, once you're saved, you don't have to worry about it and you can do whatever you want. And it's like, if, you, if that is your thought process, it makes me wonder if you're actually saved. Because when you're saved, you know how much of a wretched sinner you are and that, that your savior died a horrible, gruesome death for you, for your sin you know um he you're part of why he, he went through the scourging and the the crown of thorns i mean just i i have a hard time um 
reading that part of the Bible only simply because it's so devastating to me, you know, because I know that I am part of the reason he was there. Um, but if you don't have that reverence for him, the fear for him, the, the love to want to be um, who he wants you to be, it, I don't know. I'm not going to say it makes me question if you're saved, but it kind of makes me question where your heart is in it and how seared your heart is. How hard is your heart? I guess that's the question. Um, yeah. yeah, we're not making this video to judge anybody. That's not our job, but we are praying that this video glorifies God. And if you've been glorifying sorcery in any way, if you've been elevating Gandalf or Aslan or Harry Potter, or any, any of the characters from those books and movies, stop it. Stop idolizing anyone but God and, and smash those idols. Just get them out of your house, out of your mind. Um, go to the Bible and pray for God to not only forgive you for idolatry and sorcery, but to purify you and to forgive you of strain like that, which we all do. We absolutely all go into those um, dark corners without realizing it. But hopefully someone like Leanne and I, we care about you. Uh, you'll you'll hear something that God will send to you um, that will help to that the Holy Spirit will use to convict your heart and turn away from that. Because it's not, I mean, it seems entertaining, but it's, to me, it's akin to getting drunk, you know, <laughs> that might seem entertaining, but it's also a sin. And you might think, well, Jesus drank wine. Yeah, but he, he didn't get drunk. And so, you know, yeah, there's sorcery in the Bible, but don't take it out of context. It's always condemned. I mean, look at the book of Acts, Simon, the sorcerer. He was shocking. He, he saw the apostles doing signs and wonders. And so he offered to pay money to be anointed, to be like them. It's similar to those who go to Bethel's supernatural ministry school or these hokey prophecy schools to get a certificate. You know, I mean, you can't buy what the Holy Spirit himself decides to give. And we don't want to be like Simon the sorcerer. We don't want to be like any sorcerer. You don't want to be like Gandalf. Believe me, you don't want to be like Harry or Hermione or any of those other characters. You want to be, as the Apostle Peter described, you want to be more Christ-like. And that is through studying God's word to renew your mind, through, through trusting suffering you're going through. That is a pruning process that helps you to be closer to the Lord, to lean on him instead of yourself, to trust God is really what it comes down to and glorifying him and everything you do. When you try to be more like something that's ungodly, it, it leads to bad places for you, regardless if you are saved or not. If you're saved and you are uh, looking towards ungodly things, sin um, hurts us. And that's why God doesn't want us to be doing it is because he knows it's going to hurt us. And he knows better than we do. Amen. Um, I know for me, I believe that this, the use of witchcraft being called good by so-called Christians is a huge part of the reason that I believe it's so readily accepted in the Christian circles. Um, when we have people who push things like Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and Harry Potter, all the witchcraft that is in their writings, and they push it as Christian literature that you should read, it sets people up to accept other forms of witchcraft, to be desensitized to it. Uh, the Bible talks about witchcraft, but it's never good. It's never in a light of 
um, what you should be doing. Uh, but in, you know, all of these different books, there's different witchcraft that's glorified and uh, praised as they would say, God would say it was good, good magic, you know. The Bible talks about witchcraft, not good magic and bad ma magic, just witchcraft. It warns us not to have anything to do with it because it's dangerous. Yet so many Christians don't take it seriously. They th say things to their kids like magic is just for pretend and witches aren't real. But both of those statements are untrue. They're, those are both false statements. And it is really sad that professing Christians would make those statements if they know what their Bible says. Have you noticed this? And what do you think we can do to war against this being accepted with the children and say we are influencing the younger women around us? You know, how do we combat this? Yeah, I really think that people get involved with Wicca and New Age and witchcraft in this desire to have control and power. Uh, this world just seems to be getting darker and more evil. And of course, there's no secrets anymore. You go on Twitter and it's all raw and real of what's really going on behind the scenes with corporations and corruption in the government. And, and you think, ah, I can't handle this. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And so that's where uh, people are tempted to go into, um, you know, name it and claim it, which seems to be Christian or vision boards. There's this woman who's claiming that Habakkuk 2.2 is the Bible's way of saying vision boards work, which makes no sense logically. That's back in the days of papyrus. There's no paper or magazines to cut out pictures. It's not about that at all. Um, vision boards are a, a form of occultic alchemy. Uh, it's trying to conjure up and make things happen your own way. And then there's this continuum where you get into spells and and uh, invoking demons that you you know people say well that's Solomon's angels and such and uh, and things start to happen you start to get um, results but it's just like how sorcerers in Pharaoh's court seemed to get results that mimicked what God's miracles were through Moses and Aaron as I mentioned earlier so it's all a trap to entice people to go deeper and further into witchcraft and, and ultimately to Satanism. And of course, we know that uh, Anton LaVey um, and the others who were involved with Satanism, they taught the same thing as New Age to follow your heart. They called it do what thou wilt, which is the same thing as do whatever your heart tells you to do. It was what Joseph Campbell was teaching with follow your bliss and it's dangerous. It's absolutely uh, leading people on the path of destruction. To do whatever you want is to be like a sailboat without sails and without a rudder, just to kind of float on the currents. And you're going to end up in the rocky shores of destruction with very quickly that way. That's how I lived my life um, before I was saved. Is I would just say, oh, this, this sparkly thing over here, I want this. So I would conjure it and it would happen, but I would still be empty. So I'd want the next sparkly thing and the next sparkly thing. And meanwhile, my kids were suffering because I wasn't, well, first of all, we weren't in the Bible and we weren't Jesus gospel centered. That's the biggest harm I did to my kids. But secondly, I was always chasing after dreams and, and leaving them with babysitters or taking them with me to these crazy places. And, and it's just, it's absolutely 
not the path you want to go on. I look, I had it all from a worldly standpoint before I was saved. I had that big 50 acre ranch in Hawaii. I had sold out seminars everywhere, making tons of money, spending more than I was making, but still making tons of money. Um, it just, I had so-called friends, which I still have a few of them, but a lot of them left after I was saved and my health, my family, I seemed to have it all back then, but I was still searching. And so all these spells, this witchcraft, this sorcery will not get you joy. It will not get you lasting peace. Only Jesus will. Only the Bible has the answers that you're seeking. And all those years, the Bible was sitting on my shelf, unopened. You know, it was like that picture, read me in the dust on the Bible. And I could have turned to it all that time. But instead, I was chasing after being the best-selling author and, you know, this and going to Oprah and blah, 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 blah meaningless stuff didn't mean anything. And in fact, it, it was the opposite. It was destructive. Yeah. I mean, you know, to follow after the things that we want leads us to destruction so much. And I've watched um, people that I love do that and they get led to drugs and they get led to sex and they get led to all kinds of stuff. And um, and I've also lost people I love because of that, you know, because they were being led to what they thought they wanted and um, they thought would make them feel good at the moment, which for so many is the power. It's the sorcery. It's the witchcraft. You know, um, I have people that I love very dearly that are still into um, witchcraft and um, goddess worship and the ritualistic you know, occult practices and stuff. And they are some of the saddest, um, most depraved people that I know. And they, they desperately want to not be, but they don't know how to do that because their worldview has no out. Um, and a lot of people say, well, these are just books. This is just entertainment. Um, it's not going to lead anywhere. It's just fun, you know, but, you know, when we do things that are that go outside of God's boundaries, that go outside of what God says is good. Um, we often pretty much almost all the time, we just want more. And it leads to a, a worser uh, deviation from his truth. And the more that you do, do that, you end up with um, some of the most atrocious things. And it's the people who are Satan worshipers who are doing horrible, horrible, you know, unthinkable things they didn't start out that way. And, um, and we have to remember that if, if we want to please the Lord, then we need to at least uh, attempt to follow what he says is good and right and true. And we, we need to dwell on the things that are good and right and true and pure and lovely, or else we're not going to have the peace that he gives that, that weird peace that surpasses any understanding that you can have. Um, you don't get that when you're outside of his will. Um, he's not going to bless things that are um, ungodly, you know, things that he doesn't find appropriate. Um, so I was listening to your video that you did with Pastor Joe Schimmel, and um, I would love to get him on my show one of these days. Um, it was the first time I'd heard anything said about C.S. Lewis and Tolkien. Um, like I hadn't heard anybody else talk about it, like you guys were talking about it. And I have gotten so much flack for questioning, um, having witchcraft and 
um, sorcery and it being called good and godly. Like I, I didn't understand how those things could be equated with each other. Um, how do we warn people lovingly against this? I mean, I hope that's what we're doing right now. But how do we do that when we're out on the streets, when we're talking to people we love who love C.S. Lewis? Yeah, well, you know, we can't be afraid of offending people as long as we're speaking truth and love. Um, people need to hear the truth. Subtlety is lost on those who are perishing. Um, I, I, I'm older, so I can get away with it. People, oh, she's, you know, 65, so she can do that. So I don't hesitate to speak up and say, you know, have you researched C.S. Lewis's theology before buying into him lock, stock and barrel? I mean, and then you might say, well, parts of it is good, but is that something that you really want to be involved in is some author whose parts are good and parts are um, questionable and unbiblical? I don't. I mean, to me, I have certain amount of time during the day. I'm in my reading choices. I'm going to read the Bible. <laughs> that's, that's why would I turn to anyone else? I mean, yeah, I read commentaries and I'm very discerning who the commentaries are, are and I research their theology and, and, and such. Um, just be really cautious and discerning what you read because it really does affect us. That's why the Bible continuously says to guard your, your heart, to, um, not, you know, have no, nothing to do, no fellowship with darkness, but instead expose it like we're doing. Don't, don't even dabble in this stuff. It's not worth it. If I was invited to a party that had a Harry Potter theme, I would say, no, thank you. I'm a Christian. I can't be involved in this. I'd say it like that. And then hopefully the person would say, well, tell me more. And then I would be praying for them. If I was invited to, um, a, a seminar where they're going to read from C.S. Lewis, I would actually walk out on that part. I wouldn't be participating in it at all because I don't want to have false teachings invade my mind. I want to renew my mind with God's word. I want to saturate my mind with God's word. So um, don't go along with it to be the nice person. Um, speak up and someone will thank you for speaking the truth. And if they don't, Pray for them. Pray that the Holy Spirit will convict them and lead them to study God's word. Well, I'm and glad yet, I'm not the only blunt one. <laughs> no, you're gonna, we're going to get pushback. But again, I, I have my age going for me. I'm a senior citizen, so we're expected to be kind of cranky and, you know, consternate and saying things that aren't actually um, uh, popular. You're younger, so you have more of a challenge because you're expected to be more go with the flow kind of thing. So I will pray for you. Leah Fiore, so that you can have that strength and boldness of Christ, no matter how old you are, because it's not easy to, to be the voice. I appreciate of, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not yeah, easy I, to say things that are unpopular. I have gotten a lot, you know, I, um, I started this journey after I had been listening to Todd White. I don't know if you know who that is. Oh yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I listened to, this was, you know, almost 10 years ago now, I was listening to Todd White quite a bit. And I kept saying, man, this guy loves Jesus. He, he loves him, but there's something, it, he's saying stuff that's not right. And it got me into um, diving into the Bible and saying, what does the Bible say next to what he says? And then it got me on a journey looking at Bethel and 
um, Hillsong and Elevation and just all of these different, uh, different places. And so then, of course, I couldn't keep my mouth shut because as soon as I start learning about something, I start talking about it. And I start going, oh, did you know that they did this? Or did you know that they did that? Or did you know they believe this and they teach? And so, man, I got, <laughs> I have had quite a bit of pushback. That's because okay. It, I dig in and then I speak about it and, and people get mad and I keep talking about it anyways. Yeah. If you have a smooth life with no persecution or pushback, I would question uh, your walk with Christ, actually, because we're promised in this world, we will have turbulence and trouble, but have no fear because Jesus has overcome the world. So it's just, it don't take it personally is what I've learned. Just that's people working on their own stuff. So as long as you're kind and truthful, biblically truthful, the rest is, is between that person and God. Yeah. I try to live for an audience of one for sure. Amen. You know, yeah, it's Galatians 110. Am I here to please people or God? Absolutely. I don't even care about pleasing myself. I just want to please the Lord. Um, so I know like a lot of people say that all you need is the Bible in order to spot the fake. And I think that that is true. If what you're doing is studying scripture and you're studying it and not trying to put yourself into it or all the million other terrible ways to read your Bible. Um, but I think that you also have to make sure that you're not putting your blinders on and you're not um, hardening your heart to the things that God says, because you can know all the things and it can mean nothing. Um, you know, your heart has to be inclined towards the Lord. Um, and, you know, I see the more that I know about occult practices the more I see it everywhere, the more I see the nuances in movies and, you know, books and television and things people say and um, just symbology, all kinds of stuff. Um, we know that like Satan has no problem using some truth and just perverting it. But people seem to think that, that if it has truth in it, then it has value. And one of the things I'm trying to teach my kids is um, something that lies can have truth in them, but truth has no lies in it. Truth is pure. Yeah. And um, do you think that coming out of the new age has helped you to spot the things that people are bringing into the church? I think so. I'm like, like an, like an ex cigarette smoker, you know, how an ex cigarette smoker can smell smoke quicker than someone who's never smoked. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and then if the more you, so I read the Bible every single day without fail and in doing that just attunes your ear and your heart to the truth. And so things that are false, um, strike you as a sour note and, and it just, it jolts you. You just, Oh, it's like you said with Todd white, you're listening to him. Something's off here. And, and so, yeah, we've got to be like Bereans, Acts 17, 11, and we have to compare everything to scripture. And as you said, you have to be open to the Holy Spirit's illumination. Um, and, you know, I, I was raised with the Bible in a false church, so it's not in and of itself um, going to insulate you unless you read the whole Bible. And it's a good translation. Um, I was raised with King James only. 
Um, I think King James is a beautiful translation, like Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer have to be in the King James to sound right to me. It's just poetry. But it, it, I had such a hard time understanding that old English. It just, so I think maybe for beginners, King James might be a little hard. And then people who are King James only as they could, oh, it's, it's, you know, the other translations are new age translations. And of course they, they don't realize that they are uh, following a book that goes from 1611, the Textus Receptus was the oldest known Bible manuscript at that time. And since that time, there's hundreds of even older, so closer to the time of the apostles, manuscripts found, and they found that the scribes actually added in to the Textus Receptus. And so that's why there's some verses in the King James that are not in the ESV or NASB, for example. And so anyone who's King James only, do some research, don't fall into that pit, it's not worth it. And of course, it goes without saying, but maybe we need to say it, stay far, far away from the so-called translations, the message, which is garbage, it's a mess, and the passion, which is even worse than the message. The passion is not the Bible. Stay away from the new international version, which is from a cult, um, and stick to versions of the Bible translation that are more word for word, like NASB is excellent, L, um, LSB. Um, I like the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. I really like that one. It's kind of uh, easy to understand. Um, when I first was saved, it was uh, I was reading the New Living Translation, NLT, which I don't like now because it takes too much liberty with its dynamics, but it sure was easier to read coming out of KJV. And NIV, some people like that too. It's you know, it's very respected, um, not my personal favorite, but it's respected. So be careful not only to read the Bible every day without exception, just put it on your nightstand. And before you get out of bed, I mean, you go potty if you need to, but before you do anything else, 15 minutes, Bible before breakfast, word before world, no exception. I don't care what's going on around you, read your Bible. And then what we do is we listen to the Bible at night. So as my husband and I are going to bed, we turn on an audio of a whole book of the Bible every single night. And that's actually helped with spiritual warfare, which normally occurs after you're saved too. It's really kept the house calm. It saturates our mind with God's word. And you hear things that maybe you didn't notice when you were reading it. So kind of yeah. getting it both ways is really uh, very helpful. Yeah, I am a night person. So uh, morning does not work for my reading. But I read at nighttime before I go to sleep, and it—that's um, not the only time I read. But that is my daily reading time. You know, that's when I make sure that I read every day. Good. And one thing that's interesting is I like to put on the Bible and just listen to it sometimes while I'm doing other things mm -hmm. in the daytime. And when I do that, like you said, there's certain things that you catch that you're like, I didn't catch. Hmm. Yeah, I have yeah. that a lot of times, and I didn't catch that one small spot you know and then of course it always gets me thinking about some other place in the bible that it was talking about something you know gets me on a little rabbit trail on it um but yeah bible reading is huge and especially listening to like when you get the check in your spirit that says there's something wrong don't go past that um i know a lot of people i had somebody ask me so do you think that your discernment is better than mine and my answer was no, but I think you turn off your discernment when I don't. 
And it's not that I have any better discernment. We have the same Holy Spirit living in us. But when I see something wrong, I look at it and I find Mm -hmm. out what's wrong with it. And I'm willing to set it to the side and say, I don't want that. Whereas some other people um, aren't willing to do that. And they push past that um, check in their spirit and they get past it to where they harden their hearts. And then they just enjoy whatever it is and say, there's no problem with it. Um, But I think that's a huge problem with Christendom today is just pushing yourself past the check and saying, I'm going to harden my heart. And it's not something they literally say to themselves, but that's what they're doing. Yeah. You know? And they, and they, they want to say, well, I'm different so I can handle it. You know, I can handle uh, watching the chosen and knowing that it's not biblical. No, you can't. Nobody should be watching the chosen. I can handle Harry Potter because I know it's all fiction. It's, it is, there's an agenda there. Satan has an agenda through the media and he is just like you were emphasizing, mixing in truth and lies like he did in the garden. And he just enough truth to hook you in. And then he's just going to rah, get you with the lies. And his, his whole objective is to have you glorify him through yourself. But he, but he really wants you to glorify him so he can drag you into the lair that God created for Satan and his fallen angels. That's hell. So Satan's trying to populate hell with fans of his who he lies to and says that he's the path to entertainment and fun. And in just, you know, it's okay. It's allowed. God didn't really mean that he lies, lies, lies like that. And he says the same thing over and over again. We've, we have to pray for the strength of Christ to not fall for it. Well, and we get warned over and over again in scripture um, to be aware and not fall and to stay strong in the faith. And, um, you know, I'm not so arrogant as to think that I am, um, I am inoculated against, you know, being inundated with things that are not true over and over. Like, I don't think that I'm not going to fall for a lie if I allow that lie to take root, you know? Um, I grew up being taught that Disney wasn't okay. But at the same time, I was taught that Um, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien were good and for me they were just too dark I have been uh, I I got made fun of forever because I'm too sensitive and um, I tried really hard to like push past the darkness and like be okay with watching that stuff but I'm way too much of a pansy Um, but nine times out of ten like kids shows movies books these days all have an occult push Mm -hmm. and it is to the point where they're not hiding it anymore. No, they're not. No. I mean, uh, we're, we're, Satan knows his time is limited. And so he's trying to collect as many members as he can. He does not care about you. He doesn't care about anyone but himself. So uh, there's, he's, he's just going to keep tempting people. And it's, it's just scary because um, he, as you said, he's not trying to hide and they're grooming children not only sexually, but occult wise too. And it's just like that statue of Baphomet, um, which is the satanic statue with the woman's breasts and the man's you know, lower ex- extremities, like we're seeing today. And the two innocent children next to him, that's, that's a representation of the movement that's going on right now, is, Absolutely. is just to follow Baphomet. And 
if no, if, if you aren't familiar with that, look up that picture. It's, it's jolting, but it really is a wake up call. You said something about the message earlier. So I did a, a podcast on the message. I had actually seen that, um, that something was said about one of the verses. And I, of course I had to look it up for myself cause I don't trust anybody, yeah. you know, I just don't. Um, so I looked it up. I was horrified because then I looked deeper and deeper and eventually I'm like, okay, I, I need to do a podcast on this now. And it was appalling. He used instead of on earth as it is in heaven, he said above uh, as above, so below, right. which is like a total occult saying. Yep. And you can't, I, I don't know how he could not know what he was putting into um, God's word. You know, I mean, he literally put this well-known occult saying into God's word. And when you look at Baphomet um, and you see he's pointing up on one hand and down on the other, a lot of times it will say as above, so below, because that is um, very occultic. But um, it just appalls me to see the acceptance and indoctrination happening and people just falling for it, hook, line, and sinker. And if you don't, you're called a racist, a bigot, you know, a hater, you're, you're bullied into submission and we can't fall for that. We have to, that's another reason to read God's word is to read about how to deal with the pushback that's happening culturally right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So what are things being accepted and coming into the church? that you believe directly have to do with bringing in these books and movies and saying that they're Christian? I think it's the appetite for entertainment. I think, you know, like Sarah Young is, is infamous for saying that she wanted to go beyond the Bible. She inferred that she was bored with the Bible. And so she wanted more. And that's what we see with the, the movie, the TV show, The Chosen. People want that more. They want Uh, to see this fictional depiction of our Lord and Savior, but it's, it's, it's always at the cost of watering down the gospel. And so the chosen and Jesus calling will show our Lord and Savior as being bumbling, as being sinful. Uh, He, he's insecure. He's in the Jesus calling. He's a romantic boyfriend figure this is not our Lord and Savior. And so how could anyone lean on a Lord like that, a bumbling, insecure, romantic boyfriend? You, you just can't. And so when in the name of entertainment, we see a different Jesus, he, that Jesus doesn't save. And that Jesus doesn't evoke the trust and the love that we're commanded to have for our Lord. Amen. And the reverence for him, you know, exactly. we're supposed to honor him. And there's so much in um, I, I've never watched The Chosen. Um, I've seen clips of it, but I've never watched it. And it's just because I don't want, I don't want to think of Jesus and picture who they have as yeah, Jesus and what they depict Jesus as. I don't want to corrupt my view of God and my view of scripture with whatever they're doing, because I know there's a lot of really bad stuff. Yes, there uh, is. So I know like not too long ago, Hocus Pocus 2 came out. And when Hocus Pocus 2 came out, I found a book 
at the store and it's a book of spells, a book of witchcraft. And when you look into it, um, there are witches who are saying it's a real spell book. Like it's like there are real spells in that spell book. And it's the same thing you hear about Harry Potter. You know, there are a lot of occultists and um, witches who say that there are real rituals, real spells. You know, it's this isn't a fictitious made up thing um, in that. And then we also see that at the same time as Hocus Pocus 2 came out, um, the little tykes came out with a magic workshop and it is like for like three-year-olds so they can pretend to make spells and stuff like that. And it's, it's coming from like all directions now, you know, we have the, the Holy spirit Ouija board. And so many people Mm -hmm. think that when I talk about this stuff, that it's jokes, but (laughs) so many people are actually going and buying these things and using them and saying, they're getting closer to Jesus through a Holy Spirit Ouija board. Well, then they don't know Jesus. I mean, before I was saved, I created a, basically a Ouija board that was supposed to give you angel communication. I don't even remember the name of it now, but you'd roll a dice and you'd somehow get a message from an angel by going uh, around a board. So um, I was spiritually blind back then. I didn't know God. I thought I knew God, but I didn't know God. The only way to know God is to study him in the Bible. It's the only way. And people say, you can't put God in a box. Well, God put himself in this box, the book, the Bible. That's, that is him. Um, anyone who is, is loud, you know, saying that the, the, this Holy Spirit uh, Ouija board or the chosen makes them feel closer to Jesus, they're feeling closer to a different Jesus and that Jesus cannot save anybody. So we have to beware. There's no short, there's no shortcuts. There's no entertainment shortcut. I know that it seems like drudgery to read the Bible. It can seem like a chore to people that get bored. I understand that. I spent many years trying to read the whole Bible, but it has to be on God's time. So Instead, pray for the author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit, who worked through over 40 men over a period of thousands of years to create this cohesive document that's all about Jesus from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. It's all about Jesus. Talk to his author, the Holy Spirit, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to understand the Bible as you're reading it. And that prayer goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, pretty much praying for um, anything that we need, you know, God will give us wisdom if we need it, especially when it pertains to the things he tells us we're supposed to be doing. Um, And I know that, like, I really believe that a lot of the NAR, I I keep bringing the NAR up, but I I think it really has a lot to do with this discussion um, because of the things that they're bringing into the church. And um, a lot of the things I really believe that the the people, the adults who were used her, who were kids, being told to read C.S. Lewis and read Tolkien and Harry Potter, these kids are now you know playing it in church. They're they're uh, bringing all of that into the church, and I know um, we see things like destiny cards at and at the NAR. I know. Um, they're doing, they're using angel cards. And that's something that I know you have a lot of experience with. Um, and it's not godly. 
No. And this is being accepted. There's so many things in Christian circles now that just blow my mind. Um, there's necromancy, numerology, um, attempting to levitate, uh, raising the dead. There was at Bethel, there was a whole uh, ritual that they did to try and get rid of uh, racism. It was yeah. a, with a Gandalf staff. Mm -hmm. um they're talking about the purple bubbles of protection and astral projection and gift and spirit activation and you know it just goes on and on do you think that tolkien and c.s lewis's writings as well as harry potter helped to pave the way for christians to accept these things coming from the new age into yeah, christian yeah. circles yeah definitely caused people to drop their guard for sure and anyone who protested them was seen as uh, an old fuddy-duddy, you know, a Pharisee, a religious spirit, critical spirit. And, and so, um, yeah, those things definitely did popularize it. I want to apologize because I know my work um, also ushered in a lot of apostasy into the church, which I deeply regret and um, pray that people will not be influenced by uh, yoga, the proliferation of yoga in schools, in churches. Um, yoga is not just stretching. It's not just exercise. It is Hindu worship where every pose is specifically designed to worship and glorify a different Hindu deity or an animal from the, the Hindu idolatry. So yoga is a dangerous practice I was involved in with, for over 20 years of daily yoga practice. And I used to love it because I thought it made me more psychic, um, but that should have alarmed me instead of see, being seen as a blessing to me. So all these worldly things that seem so cool, whether it's chakras or wearing a Ganesh t-shirt or you know, following along with celebrities do, just be careful. Um, we all need, I think all women need to be involved with a solid women's Bible study group. So you can have sisters in Christ who are Titus II women who can confront you when they see you going off the rails uh, lovingly, but... Um, we women were emotional and we tend to be pretty reactive. So we need other Christian women locally, not just virtual friends, but real in, in the flesh, Christian friends who are in their word. Yeah, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, it's hard to get people to even talk about the word a lot of times. And, um, and we, we, at least where I'm at, um, there's a lot of times where people aren't willing to talk about the things they disagree on. And it's really sad because there, there are certain things in the Bible that we can disagree on. <clears throat> we don't have to be in lockstep in every single thing. And some people are being um, brought to truth through scripture at different rates, but that should not be uh, there shouldn't be a problem with us being able to say to a sister, Hey, um, have you looked up that in context? Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or can we talk about what this means um, or has meant for the history of Christianity? Because there's a lot of things that are getting brought up, like speaking in tongues. This new idea of speaking in tongues has only been around for, you know, a couple hundred years. It's not even that long. And mm -hmm. for the whole rest of church history, it was a certain way. 
So for people to um, start arguing about things and not be able to have conversations about it makes it so much harder to be able to sharpen each other, you know, yeah. and grow. We're supposed to grow together. Well, that's why you need older women in your Bible study group, because we older women are not afraid to speak up. And there's a there's a publishing company called Lighthouse Trails Research. Lighthouse Trails Research. Um, Warren B. Smith, who's a fantastic author, he's one of the authors of Lighthouse Trails Research. They have pamphlets, inexpensive, like a dollar fifty each, pamphlets on virtually any topic that you need to talk with people about. So I'll, I will often hand people a Lighthouse Trail pamphlet, uh, and and that can start the conversation of why they shouldn't be watching the chosen or why, you know, yoga is dangerous and such. So that would be some way you could lead a conversation. But um, I think there's just this real need for older women who are biblically sound to be helping younger women to stay away from things that could distract them from the gospel. So do you have, so like, I know that when I came out and I was speaking out about um, certain people, certain things mm -hmm. that um, I discouraged people and it wasn't on purpose. It was simply because I brought to light some truth to them. And what do you mean? What do you mean you discouraged them? So they have been Christians for a very long time, like decades, way longer than me. And because I brought out things that were they were doing in their lives that were unbiblical um they have come to a point where they don't trust themselves to be able to discern anymore oh. and it has discouraged the having a biblically sound older woman to be able to speak truth with mm -hmm. and um do you have any being somebody who has come out of deception do you have any advice for somebody um that is discouraged in speaking God's truth and being able to help other people discern. Um, so you're talking about someone who lost their confidence in being able to confront error. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the only cure is Bible study. I mean, that's just the only thing for me, it was going to seminary um, two and a half years of full-time seminary work. And so I could get feedback from my, cause I had to write about six or seven papers a week. It was crazy. I had to write huge tome. And then every paper had to have this specific, you know, style and had to, everything had to be footnoted and referenced. No opinions were allowed. And then to get A's on those papers was the feedback I needed to get confidence that, and that God had given me a new heart and had given me a biblical worldview. Because these were being graded by professors with PhDs in systematic theology and such, you know, and they said, my paper is an A. Okay, I guess I'm getting it now. So Bible study really does help. And if people don't want to go to seminary, there's online um, free sources that you can get good Bible classes. I can, I can send you a link that you could put to your viewers. And um, the more classes you can take from sound solid seminary professors, the more it'll build you up, not in a prideful way. We don't want that. But just to know that, okay, I am reflecting God's truth here. Yeah, and, you know, the um, get, God gives us wisdom when we seek him. Amen. So, yeah. Um, we're called as a church to convict the world of sin. And um, 
in convicting the world of sin, I really pray that we are light to them, that they can see that just because they have been convicted of sin, that Jesus is the one who forgives and that he also redeems and that we can, we are redeemable. You know, nobody's so far gone. That yes, they can't praise the Lord. Um, so we want to shine a light on them and help them to see what they're doing. First uh, Corinthians 14, 24 says, so that they may fall on their face before God being exposed. We're supposed to call out evil and truth. And that's why we're doing this discussion right now right. is exactly for that. Um, I was looking at, um, I, I started looking into the C.S. Lewis quotes and the, the things that he has said. And I was really going to put some of them in here. It was the big, I, there was more than I ever thought. Um, his theology just, I didn't, I, I didn't know it was as bad as it really was, yeah, yeah, uh, but it makes, that. if that, if what he is uh, writing about is what he's writing, he wrote about, um, it definitely makes sense. But um, I was listening to the discussion that you did with Pastor Joe Schimmel, and he was talking about a character in Harry Potter that I, I didn't know because I've never read the books, but I was totally blown away by the reference to Helena Blavatsky. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was looking into it and Cassandra Vlablatsky was a character in The Prisoner of Azkaban. And whether you know um, or not Helena Blavatsky, I know you, you know who she is. Uh, but for our listeners, she was a famous Satanist. She started a theosophical society whose purpose was to prepare humanity for the reception of a world teacher. That's pretty creepy. It is. Um, I, 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 used started, to lecture, I used to lecture at the Theosophical Society in Sydney, Australia. Oh, frequently. really? Yeah. I was really into Alice Bailey and, and um, Madame Blavatsky, and I wrote about her and her her hotmas, her, uh, her, um, her visions of ascended masters really influenced me. Um, bad news. She's just bad news. And we need to stay away from her. The looking at her views uh, has definitely showed me where the world is going right now. And it, the more that I look into different um, ideologies, the more I see that that thread going through them. It's like, I call it Satan's fingerprint because yeah. it, you can just see the same lie over and over. It's the first two lies. Did God say, and you can be just like God, mm -hmm. you know, let me give you the secret knowledge and you can be just like him. Exactly. Um, but she started a magazine called Lucifer and she wrote about occultism, um, occultists, new agers, look at her books. She's the, the mother of new age. Is that what she's called? I think that's what she's called. Yeah. And she, she, she changed the name of the magazine um, because these folks, they, as they're caught, they shift a little bit, you know, to be more popular. So she only called it Lucifer magazine briefly. And then she changed it to something like luminescence or something um, yeah. to, to, to kind of fit in, but yeah. Um, she's considered to be, well, she certainly popularized this whole idea of, ascended masters and so the new age jesus is uh, he's considered to be one of many people who walked on this earth like krishna and buddha and kuan yin 
and they say Archangel Michael's who who ascended and they're all working together as this group unified equal to save the world and people can talk to them and get messages from them if you go to places that are power places like Mount Shasta which is very near to Bethel Redding interestingly and so Madame Blavatsky was kind of the first to popularize mediumship and um, and she would have seances and this plasma, this physical evidence of the mediumship would happen. And it was just craziness. There was a quote that I put in here from her. And it says, it is but natural, even from the dead Lear standpoint, to view Satan, the serpent of Genesis, as the real creator and benefactor, the father of spiritual mankind. For it is he who was the harbinger of light, bright, radiant Lucifer who opened the eyes of the automation created by Jehovah as alleged. And he who was the first to whisper in the day ye eat thereof, ye shall be as Elohim, knowing good and evil can only be regarded in the light of a savior, an adversary to Jehovah, the personating spirit who he still remains in esoteric truth, the ever loving messenger, the angel, and seraphim and cherubim who know both who both knew well and loved still more and who conferred on a spiritual instead of physical immortality the latter kind of static immorality that would have transformed man into an undying wandering jew so the whole point is um my the point i was trying to make is this is the person that um jk rowling put into her book and she put in Cassandra Vablaski is a seer, a witch, an author of a divination book that is required to be read in Hogwarts. So she is somebody who is one of the um, highest, you, you would say, if it is required reading, everybody's going to be inundated with her, whatever it is. Just the connection was bizarre to me. Mm -hmm. so just like in c.s lewis's works like in narnia we see actual occult practices and um, real occult rituals which witchcraft ritualistic stuff being taught in it what are some ways that you have seen people excuse this kind of thing like mm -hmm. yeah well this is where they uh, you know i i know some professing christians who idolize the characters of Lord of the Rings. And there's even some so-called Christian Facebook accounts that use Lord of the Ring memes. Uh, and, if, and they'll be terribly offended by this podcast. But if you look at just the simple fact that they're glorifying sorcerers, that should be enough to give people pause. I think the rest is just addiction. And when we're addicted to anything, um, we're addicted to a sin we tend to defend it. We don't want to take a look that we are doing something that's condemned in the Bible. We don't want to look at that we're doing something that grieves the Holy Spirit. And like you said, this conscious is seared to not feel that conviction. It's really sad. And to me, it would be one of those sins that, you, you know, I can see someone might have trouble with gluttony. You know, I do. Like, I love food so much. You have to eat. And it's so easy to overeat, but you don't have to watch a 
Lord of the Rings. You don't need that. So it'd be one that would be something to me relatively easy to walk away from. Um, but I do understand uh, for a while, I was really hooked on this TV show um, called Heartland because I, I love Westerns. I love horses or anything about ranches and stuff. And so I was watching Heartland and the, and, and then it just started to get plots that had extramarital sex and fornication. And then they had uh, gay marriage and just things. And I, and I kept saying, but I just want to watch the parts of the horses. You know, I just, I just want to do that. But the Holy Spirit just kept convicting me. No, you can't separate the two. This is presenting to you something that's unbiblical and it's affecting you. You're thinking about it during the day. You're thinking about these characters. And so I just had to cold turkey, stop watching Heartland. Um, I miss the characters, but I don't miss that it had a sinful plot line all, in every episode almost. So yes. that's, you know, that's the same with um, Harry Potter. It's just you're going to miss the characters. You're going to have that withdrawal symptoms, but it's not worth it. There's no amount of entertainment that's worth grieving the Holy Spirit. And when you look at the different things that J.K. Rowling says, the things that C.S. Lewis says, <clears throat> I mean, he was obsessed with the occult. Um, there was a quote that he said, he was describing a trip that he and his wife took to Greece in 1960. And he wrote, I had some ado to prevent joy in myself from relapsing into paganism in Attica. At Daphne, it was hard not to pray to Apollo the healer. And, you know, that's in 1960. His books were done written already. Like, that's not a man who didn't know the Lord. That is the same person who... Um, well, I don't know if you knew the Lord, but it's the same person who wrote these books that everybody is pushing as yeah, mere Christianity. Yeah, get your theology from him. Uh, but it doesn't sound like someone who fears the Lord. No, and there's because there's more um, examples. We, of we get taken out of those. Go ahead. No, please. I, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Uh, so for people out there, my uh, we have lag going on here. We're not talking over each other. Um, I was just saying that it, if you fear the Lord, you, you know, you get taken out of this sinful life and that life you crucify with Christ. And we are not to be looking back at that life and flirting with it. But it very much so seemed like he didn't kill the life before. He still just played around with it, you know? Yeah, the, um, the, again, it's anyone who is convicted of this should do their due diligence and just go on and read about C.S. Lewis's theology and they'll find dozens of examples like you had of things that you just don't do as a born again Christian. You just don't do this. So Yeah, I mean, his, his best friends were occultists. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would purge my library of C.S. Lewis of Tolkien. I would get rid of anything having to do with Harry Potter and, and just ask the Holy spirit to, to lead you on this. The Holy spirit knows your needs, but one of your needs is not to be entertained by the occult. I promise you. Yeah. I, I part of the, like, I have a few things that I want to say about C.S. Lewis. And me saying it is just because I want people to understand 
um, that you, when you read certain books, you see one part of him. But when you start looking at, this is all public knowledge. It's all stuff that you can look up and find. Um, he was obsessed with a man named George MacDonald, who was a universalist and wrote a book in which Lewis endorsed heavily named Lilith. And when I say obsessed with this guy, he wrote this guy's ideologies into all of his work. And you can see it when you look at Lilith. Um, you can start to see it throughout The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and the different books that he wrote. Um, so it's based on an occult teaching that Adam was married to a demon named Lilith before he married Eve. Does this sound like something that a Christian would be obsessed with? Like he endorsed this book. So when you look at this book, he is highly endorsed by C.S. Lewis. Um, by the end of the book, this demon named Lilith is redeemed. And he says that eventually even the devil will be redeemed. Um, that's not even almost biblical. And, um, you know, there's just so much more that you can go into on that. And it's just very disheartening because we have people today who, um, who look at these writers and they put them up on a pedestal and they quote them and they teach others to look to them for their theology. And they don't do their due diligence to look into who they are or accept who they are saying they are when they're writing, because he time and time again says exactly who he is. And people say that's not who he was, or you are misquoting him, or you have it wrong. Um, but, you know, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Mr. Beaver, which is one of the characters, tells the children that the white witch is the descendant from Lilith, who is the first wife of Adam. So he's most literally writing this into his books. It's in there. You know, there is, uh, it's just chock full of real ritualistic stuff. And um, all of them have a bend towards the occult, a bend towards theosophy. I mean, it's, they just do. Um, in mere Christianity, he said, some pagans may belong to Christ without knowing it. He said, throughout all salvation is through Jesus. We need not conclude that he cannot save those who have not explicitly accepted him in this life. In the last battle, the final volume of the Narnia series, Aslan, who they say is the Christ figure, accepts the service of a follower of the god Tash. He says, son, thou art welcome. Aslan says to the individual, Emeth, the Tash server, protests, I am no son of thine, but a servant of Tash. But Aslan insists, all the service thou hast done to Tash, I account as service done to me. This is the theology that people are teaching their children. And it is, it, it, it really makes my blood boil because um, you are teaching your children things that are satanic this that i don't have any other words for it other than that is um that is what satan says that's not what god says and i know so many people who think that this is harmless and fun and just entertainment but it's not um do you think that the fact that people don't understand the occult and don't believe that these things are a big deal is contributing to the rise and of acceptance if this is entertainment Absolutely. That is such a good point that people think it's no big deal. 
and it is. Um, those of us who've been on the dark side, we can tell you that the, the Satan and his fallen angels are real. Hell is real. And we do not want to have anything to do with any of that. Um, and especially we don't want our children to be dabbling with that right now. Um, you know, I raised my kids new age and um, they're still in that world. And, uh, and it's a big problem. It's, it's huge. So raise your kids clean, um, be an unpopular mom and raise them by the Bible homeschool. If you absolutely can, I would just, you know, if I could do it all over again, it'd be homeschool and Bible study with dad and, you know, everything traditional, if you can do it and pray that God would help you to do it, cut back on expenses. If you can um, just, it's, it's essential that our kids are raised in God's word and have, and don't have these influences, but at the same time, like you're doing Leah Fiore, you're teaching your kids. You're not insulating or pretending these things aren't there. You're giving, you're equipping them to how to deal with these things in the world and worldly influences. Um, without inculcating them so what you're doing is really important yeah i mean i um i didn't think that i could homeschool my kids um i i never thought i would be able to i didn't graduate high school um i i thought that was like beyond what i could actually do like i wasn't smart enough to do it or have the patience to do it that was another thing and god kind of like just made it happen it was just, it, I had no, uh, I, I did have a say in it, but he really like threw one thing after another, let me know that that was what I needed to be doing. Mm. Um, and it's the best thing that, I mean, that's like one of the best decisions I've made. The, the ability comes when he gives it to you. It really does. And I do a lot of praying. Okay, Lord, like it's up to you. You're going to have to like help equip me because, you know, I have to learn in order to teach and, right. um, and he equips us. He really does. He gives us the time and the ability and, um, he is our providers. So he, he provides the, the finances, even when it doesn't look like that's, what's going to happen. I have a, a ton of health issues and have a lot of, uh, bills because of that. And I just have to put my trust in him knowing that he is going to provide you know what i mean like yeah so i know i am a ton of your time and i really really appreciate you coming on thank you Um, it's it's been a joy super fun yeah this is important topic so i just really appreciate you for your ministry and your boldness for christ and biblical truth well thank you sister um, hopefully I can have you on again one of these days. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. So thank you again. Um, this has been very edifying to, uh, to talk about this, this topic that upsets me when I see it on Facebook, when I see <laughs> someone who seems to be biblically solid promoting Lord of the Rings. I just, I hope, I pray that they would listen to this podcast. Yeah, I really pray that people um, will listen to the check when they get it. And um, yeah and not excuse things that aren't biblical, but all we can do is keep praying and keep speaking out, right? That's right. All glory to God. Well, thank you guys. And until next time, be blessed.